Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Boinker Radio Podcast, your one-stop shop for all Boinkin' science news here on this wonderful Friday afternoon, 4 p.m. EST on the Boink Network Discord. I am your host, Jay Ringo, joined as always by our the, the wonderful Australian Boinker who is not enjoying the afternoon right now. It is very early for him. Delta. It's only going to get earlier uh, until daylight savings passes. I'm going to have to wake up at like 5 in the morning. You mean it's only going to get earlier? Does time go backwards in Australia as well? Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is a magical place. I want to know if this Australia thing, by the way, is like a global phenomenon where everyone's just mystified by Australia and culture, or if, if this is just American, or if this is just me, if I'm the only one with like a fascination with what goes on in Australia. I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone has a, some sort of fascination with Australia. I know all my Canadian friends find it like a weird and funky place. And uh, oh. I think if you want to play a great game with your friends at home, what you should do what we should do is load up Google Maps, go into Australia, and do a spelling bee with all the places in Australia. Like, I bet you can't spell Coonabarabran. I bet I couldn't even say it. Coonabarabran? <laughs> Coonabarabran. <laughs> nah, nope, I'm done. I give up. I surrender. <laughs> So, so this week, we're going to touch on a little bit of some science news that has to do with computational science, but mostly we're going to be talking about the big news of uh, the of the month, and that is SETI at home uh, shuttering the main portion of its project uh, this at the end of this month, March 30th. They will no longer be sending out work units, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about that all month, this week, next week, the week after that, and that last week of March. Uh, we'll talk about the history of SETI, what SETI means, sort of the science that SETI's been doing, what sort of technology has it helped develop with those radio telescopes, and uh, kind of the long-term implications of this thing that these guys just built because, hey, why not? <laughs> you know? So stick with us all month for that fun discussion. But first, Delta... I know you're dying to tell us. What tea you got this week? See, I was going to say, for every for, for the rest of this month, we're also going to be talking about tea. And today, I have a brand new tea. I've been mixing some stuff. So I have some loose tea in my cupboard, and I've mixed some green tea with some forest fruits. So I've got a lovely fruity tea, and hopefully it'll spark me up and make me at least a little bit less tired this morning. Why are you so tired this morning? You were out late last night? Like I was. I had, to, I had to go to a ceremony for um, something university-related. So Yeah, right. University-related. Ceremony. What are you talking about, Oppie? I have tea every week. It's true. He does. <laughs> uh, Tomas says that his tea is uh, 97. I don't know what that means, but he also says, and vodka. So I don't know if that counts as tea, but today it does. A tea and vodka, I think, is something in Russia. I don't know. We'll have to go there. We'll have to do an episode in Russia <laughs> to find out. Someone sponsor us a trip to Russia. <laughs> All right. So what are we missing here? Is that everything? Do we just roll the intro at this point? Yeah, I'd say so. And all right. So, start this off, there's an article here called Early Research on Existing Drug Compounds via Supercomputing Could Combat Coronavirus. Basically, what they did is they took a bunch of compounds very uh, and ran them through a computer to try and find out which ones could uh, interrupt the spike on the coronavirus cell. So, uh, basically, that means if you disrupt the spike, then the cell can't attach to a human cell and it can't hurt you. 
And this is very, very similar to uh, what we talked about the other week. I completely forgot what we were talking about the other week, though. Delta, do you remember? I, I just woke up. I don't think I can remember. But what I can tell you is that there are a lot of projects that are doing exactly um, what has been stated in, in the um, article that you've shown. And there are also projects which are doing something a little bit different. So, for example, um, Foldit. For those of you that don't know Foldit, it's basically another type of volunteer science, except you use your brain power instead of your computer power. And they have a copy of the spike on the coronavirus, and uh, they have a copy of it in protein form. And what they get you to do is they get you to try and form a protein that fits into it and attaches to it. Uh, in order to neutralize the spike and prevent it from infecting any other cells. And so if, uh, if you're also interested in that, you can also go and help out with that. But most of the supercomputers, as you said, are looking at existing drugs to see if they can help in attaching to those spikes on the coronavirus. Because essentially that's the only real way that we can cure viruses is just pretty much to stop them from infecting stuff. We can't actually kill them because they're not really living, but that's the best way we can do it. Yeah, I'm trying to... The, the 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 thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago was where they had a 8,000 compounds. It was almost the same number. And they just put them through a supercomputer <laughs> to find... Uh, oh, yeah. And filtering out the best ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. What were they trying to cure? Was it coronavirus? Is this the same article? I, I think it was something else. I'm pretty sure it was something else. <laughs> but yeah, they, they filter out all the ones that look good and are also non-toxic to humans as well or predicted to be non-toxic and then they move on to uh, lab trials and then from the lab trials they go to um, mice trials and then from mice trials they go to human trials yeah we talked about mice and everything huh guess we're gonna have to go back and re-listen to a couple episodes figure out what it was we were talking <laughs> but uh part of uh, a boink is kind of related to this because rosetta uh, Rosetta at Home actually just did a uh, a run of work units uh, like a couple weeks ago, I think, where they were trying to model the spike protein. And once you have the spike protein modeled, then you can attack it with molecules from a different database and see which ones disrupt the protein, right? So pretty cool. Uh, and then another project sort of related to this in the medical uh, field is the Stop Zika or Fight Zika project from World Community Grid, where they basically did the exact same thing, except with Zika. Uh, throw a bunch of stuff at the virus, see what they can come up with. And I think they just came up with uh, 23 viable uh, compounds to go test in a lab, and they're going to go do that stuff. They got some papers coming out, so that's pretty cool. Uh, other medical science projects you can think of? Was that it for this? No, but uh, I did have something on um, Universe at Home. Uh, I think you posted earlier in the chat. And uh, it's about uh, Universe at Home actually released some results. So uh, they released a whole big database of a whole bunch of binary, uh, binary black holes and singular black hole systems. And these are not actual black holes, they are predicted black holes. So it used a whole bunch of astronomical data to see like all the stars and everything, predict supernovas and everything like that. Used a whole bunch of really complex and really, really accurate mathematics in order to predict the, where these black holes are, how they're organized, are they in binary systems and such like that. They produced the models, they produced the predictions, and now these predictions are going on to help research into... Um, observational space missions, uh, such as, as they say here in the paper that they released, Gaia, I think is how you pronounce it. It's G-A-I-A. -A, Gaia. Or the, yeah, Gaia, there you go. Or the Einstein probe. And uh, so they will help in predicting what those uh, space survey missions will need to pack if they're going out in space, what they will need to find, where they would want to point their telescopes, and yeah, just essentially help out with that future research. So there's some results from Universe at Home to get you all hyped up. 
I am hyped up. And I was a little overhyped when you were talking because I thought you were going to be doing Universe at Home next week for your project brief, but you're not. You're doing Milky Way, aren't you? Uh, yep. And I think we can continue with the space theme. So maybe Universe at Home might come after. Otherwise, I might do SETI at Home maybe at the last one of the month. Noted. All right. Well, uh, should we talk about SETI at Home? <laughs> let's, let's do it. Elephant in the room. Uh, it's a big, beautiful elephant that's walking out of the room, unfortunately. I got my <laughs> tissues ready. <laughs> so as I was saying here at the at the start, SETI at Home is uh, stopping work units uh, going out at the end of this month. The project is still running. The forums are going to stay up. The website's going to stay up. But they have uh, 20 years of data. They now need to go back and analyze. And I think they want to put uh, the results in a paper. And that's going to take some time. And that's not something you can do with distributed computing. That's manpower. So they're going to go ahead and do that. Uh, and maybe they'll come back with work units in the future. They have promised that they're going to continue with public engagement uh, in some way or another. So that's pretty exciting. Because SETI at Home is that project that got so many people into Boink. And, you know, it's the first Boink project. So it's... Yeah, and same with, uh, I was talking to my dad. Uh, if he wanted to run Boink on his machines, I said, oh, do you want to find aliens? I said, yeah, let's find some aliens. So it, it gets a lot of people in it. But thank God it's not the funeral and it's not the death of SETI. But it's still going to be here and they're still analyzing. And hopefully we'll see them again in the future. Yeah, and SETI is like a huge, huge thing. SETI itself is probably not going anywhere. Uh, SETI at Home is a little different. SETI at Home is the um, sort of community outreach portion of it, and it also analyzes that data and dis did distributed computing. But the idea behind SETI of like, let's find if there's life out there is a pretty big idea. It does two things, really. It drives technology in terms of just like looking out into space and seeing what's out there. Uh, it and it it's like it's searching for that one thing that will unify the human race and think of us all as a single of species instead of different nations or different whatever. So the people behind SETI, as far as I know, and like the interviews I've listened to are really, really into that concept. Like, look, if we find out that there is the Klingons out there, well, all of a sudden we're all humans and maybe we'll unite behind that concept. And maybe that's a little optimistic, but <laughs> no, it's, we're it's still that waiting, idea is yeah. We're yet to get a conclusive signal. Yeah. And yes, Afi, Afi makes a good uh, clarification here. SETI will likely exist unless they lose funding for some reason. Uh, and this is not the case of SETI at home. While SETI at home did cost money to run, you know, they have servers, uh, et cetera, and they had some people they hired. It was mostly volunteer work. Volunteer work. The, uh, uh, the original Boink development was also mostly volunteer work. They got grants here and there. Uh, some from NSF, and we'll go more into the history in another episode, but uh, SETI is such a driver of passion. Oh my god. Like it, it, It's amazing to see that this thing developed out of a bunch of people just sitting sitting down. I think they were at like a bar or something, just like, hey, what if we what if we do distributed computing with what SETI? What if we find aliens? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and well, it brought to life Boink, and it gave us what we have today. Yeah, I can't I think there are more people I know of in Boink who are like, yeah, SETI was my first project. And then, you know, eventually I was like, yeah, I'm not going to fight an alien. And I moved on to a different project. <laughs> that first, that first hey, taste was Don't SETI stamp was on my dreams. Uh, I've, I've got thoughts about it. But SETI itself, beyond just the, the work that it did, is such a good thing because it gets people interested in science. Aliens, if you talk about this with kids, you're just like, hey, we can... Uh, Point these Let's dishes go find and, some alien kids. Yeah, they're like, oh, science school. 
<laughs> I want to find the alien first. <laughs> you know, next thing you know, they're developing radio uh, spectrometry. I don't know if that's a real thing. I'm just throwing words together here. Oh, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, radio spectrometry. But I think one thing that really that actually got it? the... Yeah, radio spectrometry. Oh, think, nailed yeah. it. Um, but yeah, the, I think the one thing that really brought the people in was the fact that it also had graphics. So the ability to run a work unit and then click show graphics and watch your computer go through all the data and all the fast Fourier transforms was really cool because you just have it up on your computer and everyone around you think you're a hacker or something. Yeah, and it's like it came out at the same time. Oh, Delta, you've never experienced this. Have you ever seen the, the screensaver where it's the Windows logo bouncing around from edge to edge? And like what you would do is you oh, sit there. I, I've seen those when I was a kid. Like even, I, I remember the pipes. I had an XP computer when I was a kid. <laughs> okay, all right. Did you ever sit around the computer with your friends and just this is what you did in your free time when you had time to kill? Just wait for it to hit the corner perfectly? And it never happens. There's like videos of it happening out in the real world. But I don't <laughs> think they're real. <laughs> Uh, the only time where I was sitting down and watching a screensaver was, unfortunately, the 3D maze. I'm more of a 3D maze person. Oh, that was a fun one. With, like, that was really fun. On the walls. Oh, yeah. So this came out. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is SETI at Home with its uh, screensaver comes out at the time where screensavers are getting really visual. Uh, electric sheep, 3D pipes, 3D maze, and, you know, the Windows logo. It does it, is it going to hit a corner? Is it even possible? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> So here comes this project that has this cool graphic that's not just a cool graphic. It's a cool graphic and. And the and happens to be science. And it gets people interested. And the, and the science happens to be looking for aliens, which gets people even more interested. So it's, it, it took advantage of this, um, what do we want to call it? Sort of this fad, uh, really fun and trippy screensavers, and made it something that brought people into the scientific world. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe this could give us ideas for, like, what the next big Boink project could do. Like, um, back then, as you say, the fad was the screensavers, and people were all crazy about, wow, my screen can actually do stuff when the computer's idle. And then for these days, um, I was just thinking, like, you just brought the idea to my mind, like, would social media have a play here? Like, for example, if you were to run a work unit on a brand new Boink project or something, and then you find a result, you say, share on social media. I mean, I think maybe the next point project can look at SETI and say, okay, where's the next big fad? And how can we take advantage of it to do more science? Oh, definitely. I agree with that. Uh, not this, necessarily the, the social, the specific social media utility. It was just an idea. Yeah, yeah. This, but the, the idea of finding uh, the fad, essentially getting marketers into open source projects at base level. Because it's like, that's what marketers do. Find what will be attractive and then take your thing and use the attractive thing, combine them, you know? So uh, if you're a marketer out there, if you have marketing experience or just think like this, come into the space and uh, do what Delta just said, because that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, because I think even World Community Grid has the, uh, I don't think if they do work unit specifically, but they can, you can share like, I just contributed 6,000 years to computational science. It's like, okay, interesting, yep. but do I really want to share that on Twitter? And do other people really care? <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm saying rather than sharing the actual like 100 hours maybe you could share oh i found this protein or uh, i found this um supernova or something or i found this gravitational wave and rather than putting up text you actually put up an image and so having that 
accessibility to people who don't do science so that they could somewhat understand or see something or have something tangible that they can that they can touch or see with their eyes and and it's all presented in image form there's no data it's just really user friendly and it's what gets people engaged absolutely yeah i'm on board with that actually did you see the um there's a graph floating around having to do with uh uh, containment of pandemics and it's a beautiful uh, science communication uh, example where the data that produced the graph is very complicated very complex at least and uh, the graph itself though is it has almost zero text on it it's entirely visual and it is understandable by everyone even like a little kid would get it and it all it does exactly. is show it all it does is show why it is good to delay uh, to to, you know, cancel social events and uh, cancel sporting events and delay the onset of a disease during a pandemic versus not doing that. And it's, it's wonderful. So the and visual I think aspect should come back onto the SETI. <laughs> the, well, the, the point is the visual aspect of it, it, like what SETI had, is so useful in science communication. So what you're saying is, is great. And that is what SETI did right there in the beginning from 1999. Uh, and then it took it and gave it to other projects because i think you could do visualization with uh, other boink projects too right yep but uh someone has to program the application for it and some projects just leave out the visualization and also right. the math projects aren't really that visual <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, unless you want to unless you want to scroll down like 50 pages to look at a million or 21 million digit prime i mean go for it but there's no there's no visual graphics inbuilt for that into the boink client itself all right here's here's the visualization for amicable numbers you have that heart necklace right and it's split into two no. <laughs> and when you're working on the two numbers it's you have the two numbers inscribed on the two halves of the necklace and it's trying to fit together as it's factoring them <laughs> if it fits together that, that, that'd be that'd be a huge <laughs> love heart necklace though because the numbers that they're processing now are like huge Oh man, dang it! I thought I was honest. <laughs> uh, so, so what else did SETI do? SETI it it brought us that visualization. It brought us Boink, the infrastructure. You know, these guys put together this infrastructure to do distributed computing for the SETI project, and out of that comes the Boink infrastructure, on which thirty some odd projects are now built, running medical research, running uh, astronomy running cryptography, running maths, running what, you name it, radio, what do you call it? Radioactive radiology? Uh, radiology is the study of, uh, I think, radioactive isotopes and the use of medicine. Um, I'm not okay. sure if there's a project that does that, but it's possible. But there's also sensor projects, earthquakes, climate. Climate, that's a great one. Like that that in itself, if it weren't for SETI, we wouldn't be here. Like that's I was gonna say they also brought a huge user base as well. So we have all this computational power. And my question is, where where do we think that computation computational power is gonna go after SETI stops pumping out some work units? I think that's a great question. Uh I I hope that in the coming weeks, you know, as SETI starts to actually wind down, uh they will help advertise other Boink projects. Uh, they did say in their post, like they, they put a link to the other projects and they put a link to Science United. Uh, it would be cool if, you know, they highlight a couple other projects and put links directly to the project, say a little what's going on, maybe give links to your project briefs. That would be useful. We might want to think about going out there and sharing uh, what you've put together with some of these projects already so people know. Because I think a lot of people yeah. who work on SETI don't necessarily know there are a lot of other projects out there. They know SETI at home, but not Boink. 
Yeah, and um, there's uh, there's a couple, there's a handful of GPU projects here and there. Um, some people might not like them. Uh, some people might like them. For example, the GPU projects that aren't mathematical related sometimes have a little bit of issues with their work unit generation, not having enough work units in here and there. So um, one thing that people might worry about is whether, because SETI was a GPU project plus also CPU, and I think some people might be worried about the amount of work that's out there that they can crunch with their GPUs um, that isn't mathematical, so excluding mathematical projects for now. Um, and yeah, I, th I think that's probably a little bit of an issue. And not only that, but also the additional load on all these other Boink project servers is probably going to increase dramatically and it it might be a shock to those projects and you might have some project downtime due to that. And so that, that's one of the concerns that I have with... Um, SETI phasing out uh, their distributed computing. That's an interesting thought. I've, I hadn't even considered that this might be uh, harmful to other projects. Well, I mean, it's just uh, server-related stuff. So some of the smaller projects that don't have really big servers, like, for example, Amicable Numbers, I'm pretty sure still runs in a laptop in a closet, if I'm not mistaken, unless that's where they started. Um, so for laptops in closets, beware, SETI, the, the computational power of SETI is coming <laughs> for you. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it might have a little bit of issues, but including mathematical projects, there's plenty of GPU work units. Because if you go to Prime Grid, or uh, oh, I know there's another math project that has GPUs, can't remember which one it was, but the math product projects typically have literally limitless GPU work units. So if you want to go find some big primes, go for it. Prime Grid's there for you. Otherwise, you also have some other projects like GPU Grid, which do um, mostly protein folding, but also quantum chemistry. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's other GPU, I think Milky Way, I think, and Asteroids at Home also have GPU work units, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, some of them aren't compatible with Linux. Uh, some of them are only compatible with Windows, which is a little bit unfortunate. But yeah, I think uh, from now, I think we need uh, some new projects to come around and we need some more GPU projects too, because there's a lot of GPUs out there that want to be used. Sure. And for anyone wondering, uh, you know, Delta just rattled through a bunch of different possible requirements for projects. Go ahead and visit the website boink.berkeley.edu slash projects.php. And uh, you will there find a list of the projects running on the Boink infrastructure and also the operating systems they will run on and also the uh, whether they're GPU or CPU, you'll see a little AMD symbol or an NVIDIA symbol if they're GPU and CPU or if they're GPUs. And if those symbols aren't there, they won't work on your video card. So that's the easiest way to go see where you can go if you're coming from SETI. Uh, I, yeah. And I was going to say, also keep in mind, those symbols are subject to change as well. So even though it might say it on the website there, the project might have something completely different that wasn't updated on there. So um, just, just a little beware. Someone should really keep that stuff up to date, huh? <laughs> <laughs> So I think another thing that SETI did uh, sort of as a general thought here is the public outreach. Um, you're, you're mentioning how all these people that are in SETI who are now going to go to other projects, hopefully they'll stay with distributing computing. Uh, the, and the reason they're in SETI is because SETI was that sexy science project, you know, find aliens. It's so easy to sell and it's so easy to sell. It got on the news many times, uh, you know, I remember like, newscasters being like, use your computer to help search for aliens. Tonight to six. <laughs> <It's> like, 
And uh, okay. also the great thing that caught a lot of attention was also the signals that they found. So uh, I know some of the famous signals was the wow signal. So that, that was the one that caught a lot of people's attention. Uh, and also a signal which SETI actually had something to do with, uh, which was which is really fancily named SHG B02 plus 14A. And that was um, a little was your sexy science frequency. acronym there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what SHG stands for, but um, yeah, so it was a, um, a signal similar to the wow signal, but it was like a little pulse in one of the areas where there's no stars. So it was a, oh, could this be aliens? Could this not? Wasn't but that the microwave again, it's one? an inconclusive one. Uh, no, uh, oh, is that in the microwaves? It's 1.4 gigahertz. I, I can't remember my physics, so I don't know whether there that's was, in the microwave spectrum. But There was one where they're like, oh, it's another wow signal. And I was like, oh, shoot, someone was making a hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, for those of you that want to know what the actual technical name for one of those types of detections is, it's called a birdie. And uh, next, one of the coming episodes of the Boynt Radio, I'm going to talk all about results and what SETI's um, results have actually been over the um, years that it's been running. Cool. Looking forward to that. But hold on. Back it back up. So what I was saying was about the, the public outreach capabilities of SETI also ties into what you were saying about like the Twitter stuff, the, the finding the fan and getting out there. We need another project that is capable of getting news coverage often. So you'll see right now that like uh, Folding at Home is getting a lot, of, a lot of news coverage, which is a distributing computing project that does solely protein folding out of, um, out of Stanford. And they're getting a lot of coverage because they're working specifically on the coronavirus. Well, Rosetta at Home was working on the coronavirus, uh, uh, the spike part of it, and they didn't do any publicity for it. If they had done publicity, they could have done the same stuff that SETI was able to do back when SETI was uh, like in its heyday, getting on major news primetime uh, and just getting tons of people into distributing computing and science through this really, really relevant, well, <laughs> maybe finding aliens is the most relevant thing, but it's sexy as hell. So this really, really attractive science. Uh, we need more Boeing projects attractive to be able to do that. Attractive science. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need like a general logo for that. We need like just attractive science. It's Bill Nye. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bill, Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson together. Uh, much respect to uh, Mr. Tyson. He's not as sexy as Bill Nye. There's no way about it. Yeah, it's, it's... God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> what else about SETI? Uh, we'll do aliens, history in a coming episode. We'll do the results in a future episode. What were you going to say? Oh, just aliens. <laughs> just <laughs> What else about SETI? Aliens. Aliens. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> So um, I think another thing we could probably talk about with SETI is the amount of hardware that it actually used. So I'm not talking computer hardware. I'm talking radio telescope. So um, I think, let me just get it up here. Uh, so yeah, SETI used a variety of different radio telescopes around the world. So for example, um, the Arecibo telescope, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, there's also the Green Bank telescope, uh, the very large array uh, and the Very Long Baseline Array, and the National Radio Astronomy Observatory. The most recent one that they've used is the Arecibo one, which they've been using for a very long time. And if you don't know the Arecibo one, it's uh, the big one in Puerto Rico, and it's got it's like literally inbuilt into a mountain. So, <laughs> yeah, SETI's been using all that radio hardware to find all these signals and have all the all the um, computers process them and find those little blips and the and the birdies. 
I can't wait for you to describe birdies because I'm just picturing like <laughs> bluebirds. But future, <laughs> I, I think it's because um, usually it's from satellites in orbit that like you can say fly over like birds and then they blip it down uh, like a little signal. Now I get it. At least that's what I think. Uh, I don't the, know the official the official definition of it. What's the the telescope that's just coming online in Australia? Uh, I think oh uh, that's that's I think. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's one in Canberra, which is for the Deep Space Network. Uh, I think because I I remember seeing on Twitter and I got everything on Twitter. Or I think, uh, as Keith says, yeah, it's probably another Parks array. Parks has their own radio telescope, but I think they might be making another array there. But I know we have a couple telescopes dotted around Australia. We have the Deep Space one in Canberra. We have the big one in Parks. And then, as Keith says, there's probably another array that they're building in Parks. Cool. Cool. So all this and, stuff... and no, not parks with uh, KS. It's parks with KES. <laughs> it's an Every actual park suburb. you can think of. They're putting a telescope. In. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is sort of the cool stuff that SETI has been driving, like the continued development of uh, radio spectrometry. I can't. I'm never gonna be able to say it. I'm just gonna give up. <laughs> and it's all right. It's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, I bet you it's the city in Australia somewhere. Spectrometry, the city. Uh, well, we have. Uh, I'm not going to go through the words because there's so many crazy ones. <laughs> <laughs> so it's driving up the continued uh, development of these things, the continued advancement of the technology, because it's been able to analyze the data that comes out of them. You know, it gets a whole buttload of data and it gets results out of it. And uh, like we were saying. Uh, they now are going to go through and hopefully get some papers published with the data as they analyze uh, and move forward from there. So they might be back in the future with more work units. Uh, they might see aliens in the future. As they sift through the data, they might find one. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They are going to go back and double check everything. All right. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap up uh, here. Uh, but like we were saying at the beginning, we're going to be going over SETI for the next month, giving it a little tribute, a solid send-off. Even though it's not like a real send-off, SETI is not going anywhere. SETI at home is not going anywhere. We're just not getting work units anymore. There could be more work units in the future. Um, but for now, at least, they will be uh, stopping on March 30th. So we'll be talking about the history in an episode. We'll be talking about the results and the technology in another episode. And uh, we'll be talking about sort of the stories of SETI. Uh, in the future. So, you know, if you have a personal story with SETI, if SETI at home is the project that got you into distributed computing, let us know and we'll uh, we'll put it on the air. If you don't want us to use your name or your handle, just let us know and we won't, we'll anonymize it for you. Uh, other than that, you know, I'll share my story right now. SETI is the first project that got me into distributed computing. I didn't know that it was distributed computing at the time. I just knew it. It was this really cool screensaver, and I was a kid. I'm like, ooh, aliens. I'm going to find aliens first. So uh, I got my parents to put it on the computer. I think it's because we saw it on the news. And uh, put it on the computer, watched the cool screensaver, got slightly interested. My interest in science was elevated. And then, you know, interest in SETI specifically petered out, but I've always been interested in science. And uh, several years later, came back to SETI and realized that it had turned into this entire infrastructure called Boink. And there were projects doing uh, other space stuff. And I've always loved space. So I worked on Einstein Milky Way, uh, touched on World Community Grid here and there. Uh, and just kind of expanded from there. And here I am now contributing to the Boink uh, ecosystem uh, in whatever way I can, because it is an open source uh, project, the Boink project. So you, dear listener, can contribute as well. And uh, other people, come in, share your story. We'll put them on the air. They're fun stuff, fun to hear. 
Dazzy, you got a story with Seti? Uh, unfortunately, not really. I'm more of an Einstein sort of guy. <laughs> I started out with Einstein at home. Uh, I think the, uh, I said earlier in this podcast, um, earlier, um, the first experience I had with SETI uh, was probably with getting it on my dad's computer where it was like, oh, you want to run some boring country computer? He said, yeah, sure, why not? And I said, oh, okay, so what do you want to do? Do you want to find aliens? And he said, oh, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's find some aliens. <laughs> and so there we go. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be so much of, uh, of what we hear. I've been reading up on it, though. There are people, like SETI created a community. And uh, we'll talk about that in another episode. But there's some interesting stuff that has happened from that community. Uh, Keith here says uh, he has the same story as mine. He found found out about SETI uh, from a, a group and started crunching SETI in 2001. And Keith is someone who contributes to the community as well. He's all over the place. So SETI just has this grip on people where it just drags them into the, to the ecosystem because, hey, aliens, what's going on? <laughs> Keith also mentions, uh, he says that hopefully the Nebula project will be able to find some targets for enhanced observation in the future. Nebula uses the Atlas supercomputer at Einstein at home. So, uh, cool. There is still hope for the future. Like I'm, I'm saying here, or SETI at home is not dead. It's just not doing work units for the foreseeable future. So with all our fingers crossed, maybe it'll be back with some more uh, distributing computing applications in the future. And some more aliens this time. It's not going to... I mean, yes, yes, we'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't smash my dreams. <laughs> smash them right on the ground. All right. Any other thoughts to close out on, Delta? Uh, no, uh, other than rolling the outro. <laughs> oh, it's the thing we got to do. Uh, we'll, we'll close out on this thought uh, again from Keith. <laughs> he says that he really wanted to crunch the parks data, which is that telescope that's coming online, because uh, it is uh, looking at the center of the galaxy, uh, which is a uh, part of the sky that's not been searched yet. So who knows what we'll find there. And I've heard rumors that if you were a super advanced civilization, that's where you'd go because there's a lot of energy there, you know. But unfortunately, we won't be able to do it with SETI at home. So join us next week, 4 p.m. EST, on the Boink Network Discord server for another project brief on Milky Way at home. And another episode of Boink Radio will be doing the history of Boink, the history of SETI, which led into the history of Boink. Until then, have a great weekend. And now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. (laughs) 